Ideas, ideas, ideas. You can't come up with a good idea? Maybe you should stop thinking so hard and instead start brainstorming. What's the difference between these two, you ask? We're talking about that today on Surviving Seminary. Welcome to the show. I'm Jason Stark, and I'm here with my co-host, Kevin Sutherland. Hey, Kevin. Hey, Jason. How are you today? I'm great. I'm just realizing that we didn't do this for the last episode. That's okay. That was only like 40 minutes ago. Right. This is like time travel. Yes. But um, today, I'm just like, I'm not congested. I, it always sounds different when I'm listening to it for mixing, so maybe I really am congested, and I don't know. But um, I... I'm not congested, but I've been sneezing a lot, and so I feel like I've been perpetually holding in a sneeze. Mm. Um, for... I haven't really noticed it other than the occasional really loud cough in my ears. But, yes. But your voice doesn't sound different. I'm saying that. Well, thank you. Yep. Um, so brainstorming. We're talking about brainstorming today. This is another uh, Kevin special that he has brought to the table for us to talk about, and so I'm going to let him open up concerning the history of brainstorming as a concept because it is a whole it's a whole big idea it's not just like a generic uh term that we throw around it's a it's a real thing yeah it's a specific thing um you know we might use brainstorming as a synonym for like pre-writing or whatnot but brainstorming is a specific method for what you might call pre-writing um so it can be useful when you're thinking about your group projects or your papers or whatnot but history um you know, first of all, this might have been around for a while, uh, but the first person that we've really got a name that said this is a method, and he, he didn't actually coin the term. He said something like, we can use the brain to storm the problems around us. And then I guess somebody else, or maybe he eventually figured out to call it a brainstorm. But it was Alex F. Osborne. Do you think this would sound cooler today if we called it like storm brain? Storm brain? I don't know. That sounds like you're... Maybe a storm chaser, and your brain is fixated on storms. But well, I'll, I'll keep uh, I'll keep tossing that around. <laughs> All right. Um, but so he did this, Alex uh, F. Osborne, in 1939, um, and he worked. At, he owned a marketing firm, and he would get irritated at his employees' lack of ability to stimulate ideas and whatnot. So. He came up with this uh, method here, and it was originally focused on business. In fact, uh, I read one of his books uh, that was called Brainstorming, but the byline or one of the blurbs that he put on there was how to easily access your million-dollar ideas. Um, and so it was really business-focused uh, at the time. And it's a product of its time. It's 1939. Um, civil rights are not necessarily in their greatest shape at the moment. Um, to say the least. Yeah. And so he's kind of stereotypical of women. Like, you'll just notice that, you know, he talks about the secretaries and assistants and whatnot. And surprise, surprise, they're all female. And he sometimes expresses surprise that they have ideas and whatnot. Um, but on the same time, he does try to say that women can have these good ideas. And so maybe it's kind of a step in the right direction. But just be aware of that if you listen to his stuff, that you're going to have some maybe sexist uh reactions to that and so hopefully we're what we're doing is co-opting this but like in a positive way right i mean leave all that 
junk behind and uh, take the take it for for the good that's in it. Yeah, I mean, because most people don't know the history and they just know the method, and we can use the method without subscribing to his all of his thoughts. Before you started talking about it as an episode, I didn't even really know that it was a particular like thing with steps to it. I just thought it was like thinking a lot about something. Right. And that's it. Nope, it's not that. You want to tell us how we do it? All right. Um, I'll give it a shot in that I didn't know um, what it was really until until we came here. But um, so originally, um, brainstorming is a group project and a group effort. You gather in participants from lots of different areas of the particular problem that you need to solve. So um, Osborne talked about this in the context of, or at least he developed it in the context of a marketing firm. So if you imagine all the different people who work in a marketing firm on their various different roles. What would some of those be, you think? Well, like uh, you would have the salespeople maybe that are uh, at the first line of uh, contact with your people. Then you might have your concept people and you, then your managers and whatnot. Okay. So you bring them all together. And, and, then, um, and then you bring your women secretaries as well to help you out. Everybody. <laughs> Please. <laughs> So um, you give the problem to them, uh, to everybody, the secretaries included, and these days all the male secretaries as well. Yes. And you, get, you, you present the problem to them and say, here it is, we need a solution. Every one of you take it individually and go think about it for a day or two in advance. Yep. Um, so they're priming their brain up to think about the problem. So when they come back, um, everybody gets together in a group. And um, they all they all sit around, and for like a fifteen minute period, the group just spews forth as many ideas as they can possibly think of. And this is without restriction, so it does not matter how crazy um, or unimplementable that these ideas are. It does not matter. You want to add? You you want to say, well, why don't we advertise on the surface of the moon so we can read it? from in the night sky. Right. Or why don't we advertise right into people's brains? <laughs> because because that'll be more effective. It doesn't matter how crazy it is. Everyone just gets the opportunity to do this and um and there is this deferring of judgment uh during that period. Hopefully, maybe not for the moon bit. Right. Um but theoretically, there's a deferring of judgment about this and that and that allows for kind of like a safety and security in the group and a freedom to say what ideas you want to bring forth. Let's put a pin in that because I want to talk about that later, but you've got one more step to talk about. So somebody um, writes the ideas on the board and in your notes here, you put secretary writes the notes on the board. Right, because I'm going straight from Osborne. Yeah, but I mean, if it's the if it's the executive with his white button down and his sleeves rolled up and everything, and he's the one who's got right. the, in that in that day, probably a chalkboard. Right. Um. But uh, these days, like a dry erase board, this, that's, that's stupid. I, I just need to quit. <laughs> um, and so, but all these ideas get written on the board. And so um, after that, um, after that flurry of activity, you take a break. Yep. Because you need one. Yes. And somebody needs to go out for coffee. Yeah. So this whole time you've been just spewing the without really thinking about it too much, all of the ideas that come to your brain. Now, this is the part where... Well, when you come back, this is when everyone's had a little bit of time 
to think um, or their brains have had an opportunity to kind of process these things around even if they're not thinking about it consciously. Mm-hmm. Like we've said before, you need time to step away from um, conscious creativity and conscious thinking so that your brain can do its magic um, that is not involved in conscious thought. And also, sometimes we get really excited about an idea mm-hmm. in the moment, and then you come back later and you look at it and you say, wait a second, that doesn't work for reasons one, two, and three. And so it gives you a little bit of distance and separation from the the ideas. So when you come back, you can maybe think about it a little bit more objectively. And so the whole group comes back and after they've had time to just kind of process, and that's when... Um, the ideas start getting measured one against another mm-hmm. um, to see which ones are more viable and which ones are not, or if people see connections between different ideas that are being thrown out that could possibly be combined in certain ways to be more effective. Right. That's the point at which everything starts to come together. But it all starts with just really just the freedom to say whatever and and. It doesn't matter whether it's going to stick to the wall or not. You just have the freedom to say it, and then later you can come back and try to piece it all together. Yeah, and so uh, we'll get into it a little bit, but a variation of this now is that uh, you can have individual brainstorming now, obviously, um, where you are doing this. There have been some studies that showed it was actually better, despite Osborne, who uh, kind of was a big proponent of group uh, work on this. But I give my own experience. I was working on a paper once uh, that uh, I could not figure out. Um, I had been working on this passage. The entire class was designed to look at a passage from multiple different methods of study of the Bible. Um, And I couldn't figure out how to work it because I felt like everything had been done. And I just had a brainstorming session and I wrote out all these different ideas and I don't remember what it was, but there was one really stupid idea that had nothing to do with it. Like, let's just say it was bananas. For some reason, we're coming in my brain, bananas. And I'm like, you. The, ten, the temptation is, no, stop thinking that. Let's start thinking of something useful. But if you just write down bananas, it frees your brain to suddenly go, okay, well, we've got bananas off the list. Now let's think about something more productive <laughs> or whatnot on this. Plantains. Right, plantains. <laughs> Hopefully you don't go off on a rabbit trail. But that's the whole point of like spitting the ideas, even if you're not there, is it, it frees up the log jam of your brain. If something like a recurring thought just keeps coming up, you can just write it down real quickly and then move to something hopefully that's more productive or whatnot. But. So that's the kind of the broad shape of brainstorming, both in its um, group orientation and individual orientation. Yeah. So now we're going to talk about some of the potential downsides and some of the things that have been noticed about brainstorming that have been criticized historically. Yeah, and I was trying to find some of these for some of these uh, other variations that we'll talk about in a second, but um, most of these criticisms are leveled at the group brainstorming session. Um, And one thing it's... uh, hard to get creative and engaged participants all at the same time in, in, in the same place. Now, um, some of that can be alleviated now with uh, like video conferencing and whatnot, but you still have to kind of be all on the same time for everybody to be throwing out ideas in this group thing. You were talking about like, actually I was talking about it cause I was the one who was describing the process, but um, 
we were talking about the idea that, you know, there's like no judgment, you just toss out whatever idea you have. Mm -hmm. But if your creativity, like if there's like a differential or something between the people who are like really on fire and just coming up with idea after idea after idea, Mm -hmm. and then you also have other people who are like coming up with nothing. Right. Um, after a while, can that be like demotivating to people who aren't coming up with anything? And so they don't even try to say anything. Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, that feeds into actually some of these further ones, but yeah, if you've got, uh, people that are not really involved with the process, um, like it's, it's okay to have outside thinkers, but if they're not motivated at all and they have no skin in the game or whatnot, it can be hard for that. And that kind of leads into the idea of freeloaders and that you may have some people carrying in all the load. And it may be that people are being freeloaders, quote unquote, because they don't have a choice. Other people are hogging all of the, they're shouting out all of the ideas to other people. That's possible. Like, I think I'm, I'm coming more from personal experience when I talk about, you know, not feeling like I have anything to offer. And then as soon as the conversation starts to get full and I'm not a part of it, I start to get more afraid of putting anything out there right? because, um, well, because of that whole judgment thing that the whole process is supposed to avoid, right. I think that it's not always as simple as saying, hey, guys, no judgment for whatever you throw out there. If you're inexperienced and if you're new and you don't really quite know what you're doing yet and you're still forming relationships, mm-hmm. it's just not the same to just tell people, hey, there's no judgment right? because some people are going to be apprehensive of that regardless right and it's unfortunately not really possible unless you have a whole lot of psychological safety built up in that group Um, and that also gets on to another thing is uh, what they call production blocking where as you're engaging and thinking about other people that have already shouted out their ideas or whatnot you start thinking along their lines rather than having your own original creative thoughts about things or you could just say oh yeah i thought about that one too yeah yeah, you could do that. Or like you just start, even even if you're trying to better their idea, you still might be thinking about their idea rather than contributing something that maybe is really helpful because it's your own creative thought and nobody else has said it. But you're still trying to help figure out the best way to do whatever that, that guy said. And then, you know, it's also not very good of a process to handle multiple problems simultaneously. So you really want to have a defined problem that you are trying to come up with a solution for, especially with group ones. Yeah, you just let AI take care of the other problem. I don't know how to respond to that. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. You let AI take care of it. But, you know, you can do that maybe a little bit more with your own brain because you can, uh, there aren't so many cluttered pieces that are going along uh, and you won't have, you know, you're working on problem two and somebody else is still working on problem one or whatnot on that. But those are some of the criticisms. So there have been some variations that are, were kind of developed about this. So um, several that are like team variations, there might be one there where somebody writes down an idea on their card and they pass it to the person to their left and they write down another idea and so on and so forth. And they pass around and then you got a good pool of ideas um, on that. And there's also brainstorming where you're not figuring out the solution. You're trying to figure out what the right question is. Um, and that one, along with the next one, where with individual brainstorming that we've already kind of talked about a little bit, 
um, can be really helpful for like, if you're in a situation where you're going to write a paper like I was, and you didn't know what to write about, that can help you figure out what you should write about. Yeah. I mean, to be sure there are plenty of situations in which brainstorming in the group sense is, uh, strictly not allowed Mm -hmm. because you have to have your own contribution that you make in your own work that is original to you. So, yeah. So with individual brainstorming, you might do some of the same things. Like I, when I want to brainstorm, I'll have a whiteboard, uh, dry erase, uh, board with me and I'll just start writing out everything that I can think of. And I may only take like five minutes, uh, or whatnot. And I'll just write down stuff. And with that one paper, I wrote down probably about 12 or 15 different things in that 15 minute period. All right. Well, excuse me, that five minute period. And then I just, after I took my break, I came back and I just started circling the ones that I thought were interesting. And then I figured out a way to connect several of those together. And then I made a paper and it's actually the first paper that I got uh, invited to publish. It hasn't been published yet because of other reasons, but it's the first one that, um, a publisher actually invited me to publish with them for. So do you want to talk about maybe how we tailor this to our seminary experience a little bit, Jason? We talked about it in the context of trying to solve a problem. Obviously, your assignment that you have to complete is, in a certain sense, a problem, because it's something that if you don't complete it, you know, you won't get a good grade, all of those things. Mm -hmm. Um, But think about your paper or assignment of whatever kind that it is, and and say what's the what's the real goal of this and maybe the question of what is a what is the ideal paper what is the ideal project look like in my mind and that can kind of help you define the parameters of the problem mm-hmm. as it were as you get into it um so this can be really good for idea generation and especially if you have to write a paper that is based on a particular thesis let's say um a paper we we hang out on this one all the time because it's where we're at, but a paper that is based on a particular passage of scripture and it has to have some sort of thesis that you are um that you're arguing for, uh, this can be a good way to uh to develop one of those because you don't hold yourself back and you give yourself all of the time you need and all of the space you need to to come out to to let it out of your mind. I'm kind of channeling the book, uh, The Craft of Research, which is a very significant book in advanced research programs and even in just higher education in general. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a very significant book about the process of writing. Maybe one day we'll even have an episode where we cover that um, and draw. I'm sure we'll draw a lot from it. Mm -hmm. But anyway, a paper has a lot more to it than just a thesis because you have to have your reason for the claim that you're making. And then you have to have your lines of evidence that you're presenting, which which support that claim. Yeah. Um, and so you have to have all of these things kind of kind of built up in a structure that that make your paper. And so while brainstorming is good for the generation of a thesis, it's also good for uh, the generation of thinking about the evidence that you're that you're bringing forth. Yeah, so you could almost you could have a brainstorm about getting the paper together, but then you might also have a brainstorm of how do I make this section of the paper support that thesis and whatnot? And what are the kinds of evidences I need? and the kinds of supporting points I, I need to make. I will say, though, you know, again, we just we're talking about a paper, like a research paper, but we are in an environment where there are plenty of classes where you'll have to do a group project. Mm-hmm. And as much as I dislike, and I think um, 
I know a lot of people who don't really like group projects for a lot of various reasons. Yeah. This can be an activity that you bring to the group project in order to really get the ball rolling if you're having trouble doing that. Now, granted, there are still all of the possible critiques of brainstorming and all of the hurdles that we've already talked about to to doing it effectively, but theoretically, you can bring it to a group project or you could bring it to assignment work in a class where you're allowed to collaborate a little bit more. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's useful on multiple uh, different formats in uh, of assignments in your various classes. Yeah, and so I think one of the big keys that we need to remember, though, is like you may this may not work for every assignment that you have. One because there may be you know those criticisms involved, but there's also the fact that you may already have a, an assigned research problem that you're dealing with, so you're brainstorming about that. You can still use it, but you may not be using it for that particular part. You may be looking at, how do I make a paper out of this? You know what I wouldn't give for an assigned research problem? Right. That's like one of the hardest things. Mm -hmm. It takes time. Like, it takes so much time to come up with a good research problem. Right. To ask the right research questions. Yeah, but at the same time, it, it, it can be a difficulty for you to write it if you're assigned a research problem that has no interest to you at all. I guess, yeah. That's the other side of the coin, I suppose. <laughs> but anyways, that's about it. And uh, we appreciate you guys. If you have any comments about brainstorming, you have any funny stories, or you just have your own concerns, uh, please let us know on our Facebook page. And that page is Surviving Seminary Podcasts. Uh, you can look us up very easily and send us a message there. You can also find our email address and send us an email if you're into that kind of thing. And uh, until next time, we thank you for listening. We hope you subscribe and, um, and, and listen to all our episodes. And thank you very much. And have a good day. Bye, guys. Bye.